The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. A very good morning to you. It is Tuesday the 25th of July. You're watching Breakfast with me, David Bull, here on Talk TV. Coming up, 30,000 Britons face having their holidays cancelled after it emerged that hotels on the Greek island of Rhodes could remain closed for weeks because they've suffered catastrophic damage from the raging wildfires. Meanwhile, the government appears to be rethinking its net zero strategy after the Prime Minister failed to publicly back the policy to ban new petrol and diesel cars from 2030. And more NHS turmoil as radiographers begin a 48-hour strike in England this morning, adding to the backlog of one million patients already awaiting scans. The time is 6.34 and this is Talk Breakfast. Well, a very good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company. The papers this morning are very mixed bag indeed. Um, I'm really struck by the headline in the Times, though, 30,000 people left in holiday limbo after the roads fires. The, the, obviously, the, the, the crisis in roads continues. Many people really don't know what's going on in terms of their holiday plans. We also know this is affecting something like 10% of the island. Uh, flights still leaving, also repatriation flights coming back. Lots of stories also about people staying put in roads, actually determined to enjoy the rest of their holidays. So very much a mixed bag. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about a number of other things. Uh, The pressure on uh, NatWest also over the Nigel Farage uh, scandal, really, uh, continues with the bank's chairman now being embroiled in that. And also I want to talk about the radiographers, of course, going on strike for 48 hours. As I said, one million people waiting for scans already. How much more do you think the NHS can cope with? Uh, and, that, and that's the question I want to ask you. How much longer can the NHS cope from repeated waves of striking? And I just wonder, is it time to radically rethink our health service? Is it really the number one health service in the world? I think not. 0344 499 1000. Text the word talk in your message to 8722 and tweet us at TalkTV. And you can tweet me at Dr. David Bull. I'm delighted to say, however, I'm joined by Benedict Spence this morning, uh, Conservative commentator. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Feeling better? Yes, much Good. better. I'm very pleased for you. Good. Thank you. So, uh, obviously, the physician helps. Yes. Uh, yes, yes, quite. <laughs> Should we talk about Nigel Farage? Because you and I spoke, I think, on Friday about this and mm. again on Saturday about this. So, obviously, Nigel then uh, obviously decided to involve the Information Commissioner. This is very serious. They can levy fines of something like £17 million on that institution. We Mm. heard now, uh, finally, an apology from the BBC and Simon Jack. Alison Rose has also issued an apology. Now the chairman of NatWest, this is the the NatWest Group Health Management, NatWest Group Wealth Management has also now embroiled in this. Mm. It's not going away, is it? It's not. And again, I go back to the fact that actually a few weeks ago nobody knew that Nigel Farage banked with Coots. Nobody was interested that Nigel <laughs> and Farage banked with Coots. Now everybody does because of their decision in a bid to manage their reputation. Uh, it, 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 you know, it would take a heart of stone uh, not to crack a smile at the idea of uh, such a prestigious financial institution getting it quite so wrong mm. and managing to advertise to the world that perhaps it's not the best run financial institution after all. I mean, it is extraordinary, isn't it? You, Sir Howard Davis, the chairman, is now facing calls 
calls to launch a board-level inquiry into the leak. And again, it's another institution. And I said this, I think, yesterday or the day before. You know, they're obsessed with painting rainbows on the front of their office in the Strand. But actually, mm. at the end of the day, if private inf inf uh, confidential information about your financial status is leaked, that mm. is a breach of trust. Yeah. I mean, it's wrong. the banking sector can't exist. If I mean, a bank can't exist. It can't function if its customers think uh, that it's information, that it's open season on its information, uh, on their information, uh, and that they can't trust a bank to act in their best financial interests, but only to act in what that bank considers you know, of importance to its reputation. You know, the system will just collapse. Everybody knows that banking is very fragile as it is anyway. It's a bit of a mirage, um, uh, the, the strength of the system. So the idea that a bank can sort of function if it says to high-profile individuals, well, we don't agree with this view, so off you pop. Mm. It's just... I, 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 I continue to struggle to understand what the thinking was behind this. I understand that some people have differing political views. Some people feel very strongly about these mm. views. I understand that Nigel Farage is a very polarising character. But still, I go back to it. There was no need to do any of this. All of this damage is entirely self-inflicted. Mm. Nigel Farage could have been happily banking along with Coots with however much money he's got in his account. Nobody would have been any the wiser. It would have had no impact on Coots' reputation at all. And now, what have we got? We've got not just Coots, we've got other banks potentially yes. embroiled in this situation. Other people coming forward saying, I've had my bank account closed, I've had you know been treated badly suddenly there is a scandal and where there was just nothing before. Absolutely right. And, of course, this is about client confidentiality. And, of mm. course, I was involved in this as a politically exposed person, or at least they wanted to know if I was a politically exposed person. And you're right, many other banks now under the spotlight as well. Let's also look about uh, the, the health implications. Uh, th there are lots of health stories this morning. Uh, the number of people living with major illnesses in England will rise nine times faster than the healthy working-age population. By uh, 2040, 20% of people with, will have health conditions such as dementia and cancer. That is up from one in six mm. in 2019. They're saying this isn't just having an increasingly ageing population. This is also young people suffering from anxiety, depression, all the things that, by the way, caused by locking down and COVID. Yeah, I mean, anxiety and depression, these things are all, they're all knock-on effects of a sort of a rapidly modernising society and one that's based on a lot of uncertainty. You know, we now need to remember that there are many sort of environmental factors, uh, things like housing, for instance, of course. Um, Diet, wages, obesity. all sorts of things um, that, that are contributing to this. The main one we must say, I understand that it says it'll be young people as well, but the main one is ageing population, yeah. which is fundamentally a good thing. It shows you that people are living longer, that you know, science has progressed to a position where the average age is significantly higher, and you're living to an age where you can develop yeah. dementia and cancer. So I know it sounds slightly counterintuitive, but this is something, this is a nice problem to have. Uh, but I guess I've so, been as long as we look after elderly people I've and been, we have yeah. social care and all those things. But I have, been, yes, I have been saying it for a long time. All that's going to happen, though, is that health budgets are going to increase as population um, increases and those people get older. Uh, the money that we spend is going to have to go up. And again, this is, you know, as you said yourself in your opener, is the NHS really fit for purpose? Do we need to look at a different way of funding it? I believe we need to think of a different way of funding it. I think we've needed so to do, do that I. for a long time. But I really, I still don't think the country mentally is in that position yet. 
it. Well, also politically, there's well, no exactly. political appetite. Well, this is the thing. It, the, the politics reflects what is sort of bounced back at it. And I think that politicians understand. You know, you've got the Labour Party very tentatively saying, well, we're going to have to think about reform. But they're not making a big sort of song and dance about it. No. They're doing it because they know that there isn't the money, uh, because there is no growth. There isn't the money to say, right, well, we're just going to pour lots more money into the NHS. Mm. They understand it needs to be reformed. But even they, who you would have thought would have been the one party that would feel confident enough to say, we're going to introduce NHS reform, they're doing it very sort of sotto voce because they understand, really do understand, this country is not capable yet, I think, of having that conversation about NHS reform without break, bursting into hysterics, basically. Mm, I agree with you, actually. And on the back of that, uh, radiographers have also started a 48-hour strike in mm. England as well. A million people waiting for scans already. Of course, more yeah. people will then have to wait as a result. Now, they're rejecting the pay rise of 5% combined with one-off payments, totaling at least £1,655. So, again, it's just more strike action. We've had junior doctors wanting 35%. We've had consultants. Mm. We're hearing about GPs going on strike, radiographers. Who's next? Um, who else is there? I mean, you're the doctor. You know you know what other uh, jobs there are. We can play a sort of a bingo yeah, of, uh, of potential. But it's, it's such a tricky one because doctors and nurses and medical staff broadly are paid pretty well. Um, we understand they have gone through you know, a real squeeze on their on their wages, on their living mm. standards, but they are still paid relatively well. But this, I think, has to come back to the fact that this country is poorer than I think it realises. I think people have not realised that we're not... Just because we say that we are the sixth largest economy in the world does not actually mean that we're anywhere near as wealthy per head as places like the US, like Canada, like Australia. And that's why you have people who are already very well paid who are able to turn around and say, well, actually, I can earn more elsewhere. I can earn significantly more elsewhere. So what are you going to do about it? Mm. I mean, we, this is also an artificially uh, created crisis. You know that as well as anybody. It's because we don't train enough medical staff ourselves don't. in this country. We could have alleviated this problem some time ago if we'd done that. But again, that's about gatekeeping but it was wages. The BMA. Th- it was exactly. the BMA that did not want to increase the number of places. Exactly. And this leads nicely to another story. The BMA has been accused of staggering hypocrisy. What a yeah. surprise. Well, they uh, are. <laughs> because they will not pay their staff any more money. They basically want to spend 5.25% to their workers. Now, remember, mm. most people working for the BMA earn far less than doctors, as you rightly say. Who And the BMA are the organisation behind them wanting 35%, but the mm. hypocrisy is they don't want to pay their people. Well, because they recognise as well as anybody that this is quite a lot of money. Then, you know, that margins are very tight and that you can't just hand out 35% increases to people, that it's unaffordable. Yeah. But, of course, the idea is that it's the government and therefore the taxpayer can foot it, or we can just borrow, therein lies the idea of the magic money tree. Ah, somebody else can pay for it. It's those fat cats in Downing Street, it's the people in the city, wherever. If somebody else is paying for it, nobody cares. Yeah, well, quite, quite. Also, very interesting, we talked about this as well, about petrol and diesel car sales being banned by 2030. Uh, The Prime Minister seems to be rowing back on this somewhat, I think. He refuses now to confirm whether they will be banned by 2030. Also, Andrew Mitchell Mm. sort of adopted the same stance as well. This is this is very tricky because, broadly speaking, I think that phasing phasing out new petrol cars by twenty thirty isn't viable. There isn't the infrastructure; people don't have the money for it. You know, if you want to try and tell people in anywhere outside of a major city that we're going to tear up your pavement and we're going to introduce sort of charging points everywhere, it, that's never going to happen. The cost would be astronomical. Mm. The disruption to people's lives would be astronomical. So I always thought it was pie in the sky thinking anyway. But I really don't think actually that the government knows what it wants its its environmental policy to be in the sense that it understands 
that it has committed itself mm. to net zero. It understands, actually, I think, that net zero, because net zero is not particularly well known, broadly what that would entail, it's just quite a nice idea, they understand that most people are very pro-environmental policies, even now, even as their bills are going up. I think people still fundamentally think... Well, exactly, in theory. You, you know, the, the Telegraph had a, had a leader yesterday that, that said we should have a referendum on, on net zero. And I just thought, you can you, never you, have... You, you are can, against You that, can never you? have that discussion because it is a different thing to the EU people it is a religious thing people believe almost completely in the idea that you know that the planet is going to burn unless we do something you can't have a constructive so, so conversation if you do have a are. referendum then i think yeah. most people will say yes we're in favor but actually yeah. it's the, the detail isn't it is what what happens to you how does this impact on you and that's that's where i think the difference arises well even when you poll people on sort of individual policies and you say would you be prepared to pay more for xyz in polling they all say yes most of them say yes but actually it is when you then find yourself demonstrably poorer off it's only once you've got to that stage, you've got through the looking glass, that people go, oh, hang on, this sucks. This is awful. This isn't what I wanted at all. Yeah. But it is exactly what people are signing up for if they say that they want net zero. The problem is now not so much that I think it's a vote loser. I don't think it is a vote loser. I think the government understands, oh, this is expensive. This is disruptive. This is not something that we can reliably undertake in seven years. That's what I think this is. I don't think it's because people have suddenly decided that they don't like net zero. I think the government is looking at it and going, among all the things we have to pay for, we do not have the capacity well, for this. infrastructure, we talked about roads, potholes, yeah. the cars are heavier, all of this stuff. The car parks actually can't take the weight of the cars. Very quickly, we must mm. go to a break, but this great story about Just Stop Oil. Do you remember these YouTube pranksters that just stop peeing us off? Yes. That, those lot. Well, they They've now disrupted a vegan banquet hosted by Just Stop Oil. And uh, essentially, they infiltrated the venue before setting off panic alarms attached to helium-filled balloons, which blared out noise as they rose to the roof. I mean, I would have thought going to a vegan banquet would have been punishment enough for those people. But, you know, I'm, I'm all in favour of this, you know, the, the, this yeah. attempt to disrupt these people. This is what they do. Do it right back. Nobody gets harmed. People just get irritated. And everybody just tuts. It's a very British form of sort of political <laughs> pressure group against each other. It's so true. Yeah. We just tut yeah. and look Ugh, cross. Isn't this irritating? Exactly. Yes, it but is. Don't do anything about it. No. <laughs> Benedict, thank you very much indeed. Right. Time for a break. After the break, we'll go through all of this morning's front pages. This is Talk TV. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. 